Live from Television City in Hollywood. And Wattawa. Alan Helding. Noah Groves. Starring in tonight's production of Climax. A great new hour-long dramatic series from Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, William Lundigan. Good evening. This doesn't look dangerous, does it? But it's killed plenty of men and women. It's made beggars of many and millionaires of a few. Mighty few. In French gambling casinos, this is called a podcast. It holds the cards for Baccarat, king of gambling games, and its purpose is to make sure that no one can pull any funny business like dealing from the bottom. The game to be played tonight is for the highest stakes of all. A man is going to wager his life. Climax presents 007 from the bestseller by Survivor Oz. Stars Ben Waterworth, Colin Hilding, and Noah Groves. And now, Casino Royale. Welcome to episode 31 of Double Oz 7. We're into our 30s now, um, the dirty 30s. And for all of you that have been waiting for the last 30 episodes for us to talk about Daniel Craig and A New Era of Bond and Martin Campbell and Vesper Lynn, you're going to have to wait for two more episodes because we've decided to talk about the original Casino Royales first. So we're here to discuss 1954, the very first screen adaptation of Casino Royale starring Barry Nelson from the TV show Climax, Episode 3. I think it's uh, pronounced Climax! Climax! <laughs> With Barry Nelson! <laughs> and, uh, by the way, I was supposed to be calling today, but last minute uh, production note means I'm going to refer to by Clarence for the next hour. <laughs> yes, and my name is... Jimmy Groves, uh, not Noah. I've got to change it for this one. And my name is Ribbit Lashif, and call the police! <laughs> <laughs> Ribbit Lashif? <laughs> well, he looks like a yeah. toad. Poor yeah. Peter Laurie. <laughs> the toad-like creature, as he's referred to here, which is coincidentally what Ben is usually written to when there's fan mail for 007. Yes. I really like the toad-like creature on your show. <laughs> I just reply with a ribbit, and then they go, oh, Ben. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be honest. We're, uh, I guess there's a few reasons why we're covering this first. One is so that we can cover the Daniel Craig's back-to-back, as more than anything, those are continuing stories. But also, I mean, the 20 James Bond movies ended, and it was really about getting the rights back to Casino Royale. And there's no doubt that this would have been adapted at any point before if Eon had had the rights, but they didn't. Um, and this all goes back to, you know, Ian Fleming, a couple of years after Bond came out, really excited to, you know, make James Bond a fr- film franchise. I mean, obviously, we know Thunderball was originally supposed to be a film, and there are other ones he had tried to make along the way. He was offered $1,000 for the rights to film Casino Royale into an episode of an anthology TV show called Climax, and he took it. Climax! And- Climax! <laughs> Sorry, we're going to have to redub that the whole episode. But um, this was the original, 1954, I think maybe two years after Casino Royale, the novel came out. 
And despite the fact this is an American show that's clearly Americanizing it, you know, James Bond was not a big deal at this point. Otherwise, they never would have made him Jimmy Bond, card sense Jimmy Bond. Um, but it's it's still interesting. I mean, uh, I guess just as we're starting off here, before we get into a little bit more of the history, um, I think all of us knew about this Casino Royale. I was lucky enough to have found a copy of this years ago, probably maybe 2008, 2009. And I saw it then. I watched it on the bus. You know, I think one day I had a long bus ride and watched it on uh, my iPod at the time. And uh, uh, I actually really enjoyed it then, and I still enjoy it now. I think there's some issues with it, but most of those are explained off by being a live television production, low budget in the early days of TV. Otherwise, the story's pretty much all there. And I think that a lot of this does hold up, and it would be interesting to see what they could have done maybe with a bigger budget a few years later on a different show, but uh, it's still an enjoyable introduction to Bond, I think. Well, I will say that it is on YouTube, and maybe we'll link that to the post for this episode if you want to watch it, because people are probably thinking, oh, why am I going to listen to this? I've never even seen the damn thing. <laughs> it is just typing Casino Royale, 1954, Casino Royale, Barry Nelson. Um, you should be able to find it. <laughs> or type in, <laughs> Climax! <laughs> Mystery Theatre, hosted by William Lundigan. Um, maybe you won't find it if you type that in, so best to just say Casino Royale. Um, yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen it. I've always known it's existed, and I found it on YouTube before, but I just never got around to it. I've always put it off because I'm like, do I want to watch this? Um and I'm glad that I finally have watched it. Not to say that I loved it, but if you've seen all the Bond films countless times, read all the books, I think you should check this out eventually. And it's a condensed version of the novel, but they pretty much co- cover most of it. Um, uh, there's some enjoyable things about this. I didn't hate it. It's... But I think you need to use the Moonraker argument of if you just forget about what, just accept it for what it is and accept that it's not a James Bond film, it's a climax, season one, episode three, then I think you'll get more enjoyment out of it. Just suspend like the fact that he's called Jimmy Bond and all this other business and look at it in the context of the history because Dr. No is still, what, like eight years away at this point. So... If you do that, you can get some enjoyment out of it as a Bond fan. Um, yeah, it, it, it has its issues, though, and uh, we'll get to that. But I am glad that I did eventually get around to watching it. But I will say, if this film was longer than 50 minutes, I'm not sure I would have stuck around. Like It's, it's okay as an episode of Climax, but as a whole film, I'm not sure I would have made it. I'm similar to Noah. I'd never seen it before this. Um, I'd seen clips of it kind of whenever you watch like a Bond documentary and they're going through the history of it and they will show like a throwaway clip of this. And again, I knew it existed. Um, but yeah, I'd sort of never gotten around to it. But it's it's... I guess I kind of came out of it liking it a bit more than I thought I would because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of sort of old productions of things and um, obviously uh, this is vastly different. And I'm the black sheep of this podcast. I've never read the books. So my only sort of history with Casino Royale is uh, the Daniel Craig film. So it was kind of interesting to be able to watch this and, you know, see elements that are in that film of that adaptation of it. 
Um, but yeah, I think that given this is only a TV episode, and I agree with Noah that if this was longer, um, we might be stretching a little bit in sort of our life for it, but it's kind of almost almost a perfect length. Um, there were bits in it that probably went on a bit long, and if you're kind of sitting there realising that this was made, you know, 61 years ago, for something like that to kind of, as Colin said, like bits of it still do hold up, I feel, and also the fact that it is was live, so... You know, to put all these things aside and kind of realise what it was. And I, I I actually, yeah, surprised myself in enjoying it a little bit more than I was thinking I would. Um, you know, there are things about it that were a bit, yeah, we'll talk about those. But um, the fact that he, what, Ian Fleming got paid $1,000 to do this, um, which I've just done in the inflation calculator, which is only $8,729 in 2015... Um, you know, he was obviously desperate to get him out there, but, uh, I'm sure he made a little bit more money about, you know, off this in about 10 more years. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to chatting a little bit about this more than I thought I probably was going into this initially when we came up with this idea. Um, as I said in the beginning, I think I'm definitely in agreement with both of you that there are issues with this, but the one thing that really has to be understood, not only is this very early in television, I mean, television had been around for only a few years, it's so hard to even comprehend that for I think any of us who at the point when, you know, we started watching TV, our parents thought that color TV was an old thing, you know, uh, color TV was old and this is the beginning of television period. And I think one of the things that that's been lost over time with TV is that they used to do stuff like this all the time. Like TV shows would be presented live, which is such an impressive thing to think about. I know a few shows have tried that in years since and, uh, you know, I, I know NBC does this thing annually where they'll do like a musical and done live, and you still notice little issues here and there with those. And uh, there's obviously some of those here, some some lines that the actors are struggling to think about. But just the fact that this was presented live and they had one hour to do it, I mean, I think a lot of the minor issues had they taken the time to do this probably would have been corrected. But uh, either way, it's it's interesting just to see this very early phase of television and how much things have changed since then. Uh, you look even at, the, let's just start talking right now about the fact that when they took the rights to this, they said, well, we're making James Bond American, which nowadays people look back on, I think it gets unfair criticisms like, oh, the Americans have to have the American as a hero. Well, yeah, because it's an American show. I mean, I think that if there was an American character and a British TV show were adapting it, they probably wouldn't go out of their way to make the main character American. So it is interesting to note here, though, that there are some things that are done to make him Jimmy Bond, card sense Jimmy Bond. <laughs> and meanwhile, Felix Leiter has become Clarence Leiter, that they almost sort of overdo it. Um, I'm thinking about one line. We'll get into the whole recap of the story later on, but there's one line that really grabbed me right away where Clarence is talking about the, the card game is as baffling as American football, you know? It's like, they're they're kind of driving at this point. You just expected Jimmy Bond to be like, I would know all about this since I'm an American and football is an American game. Like, they really hammer in the Americanization of Bond here, but I think overall, I guess we're going to start anywhere. Let's talk about Barry Nelson as Bond. Um, do you guys feel that he has Bond? I think that there are some moments where, you know, he's not the greatest actor in the world, but there's some moments where you could still tell they were staying true to his character here, and I like some of the one-liners he has could definitely hold up in present Bond movies still. Uh there's something about him. I don't know what it is. Like he's trying to hold in a fart the whole time, or something. It's just <laughs> the squinty-eyed look. <laughs> well, it is live. <laughs> yeah, he's just got that look about him. That's just something's off there. Um, just like the curry was before he started filming. 
<laughs> yeah, like if you just announce the show, welcome to Climax, and you just rip the one every time. Um, uh, he kind of looks the part, I guess, in a way. I guess more if it, it was an American agent. Um, yeah, the, the Jimmy Bond is just a bit overboard. Like James, I'm sure, is still an American name. Um, and like, where was Jack Wade during that time? Um, but yeah, he does the job. I think there could have been better casting, but this is just a random episode of climax. So Smart sound. it's not like, Oh, we, yeah. We, no, leave your farts out. <laughs> I didn't put any. I was just going off what Colin said. <laughs> um, but I bet, I guess, like, if you. Th- there was only one Bond novel or two at this point. So I guess they capture what the character is in Casino Royale. Because as the novels go along, we learn more and more about the character of James Bond Roger and Moore. in Casino Royale. What was that? I said more and more. I said Roger Moore. Bad joke. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> Move on. You're going to go with the midnight line here, too? We're live, everybody. Um, we are able to make mistakes. Yeah, this is live. <laughs> this is a live production of Double R7. Right. Bye, Mac. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, in Casino Royale, the novel, we don't actually learn too much about James Bond. So even though it's the central character, there's not a huge amount to go off. So if you look at the context of not 24 films and 13, 14 novels, then I guess they capture it pretty well. Um, but then why they felt the need that they have to switch roles, and we'll talk about Clarence soon, but why they felt the need to do make him British is just beyond me because if they're going to that length, then surely they could have switched it. Why couldn't they just have had Clarence an American too? But I don't love Barry Nelson, but he does get the job done as Bond, but he is a bit flat in some moments and fumbles his lines, as we'll talk about. But he's okay, I guess. I actually liked him. I thought he looked the part. Um, You know, there were definitely moments where... Yeah, as you were saying, he sort of fumbled and holding in a fart and all that sort of stuff. But I, I think he was kind of truer to the character of James Bond than Sean Connery was in Never Say Never Again. And that's saying something, you know, I think that... Because he was trying. Yeah, yeah. This is just going out there and like, yeah, okay, American, you know, so what? Uh, again, as we keep saying, this was, you know, outside of the films. It was made eight years before the films and... You know, as Colin said, TV was brand spanking new, basically, in 1954. And, um, you know, I don't know how many books at that point had kind of been turned into episodes of Climax. So, um, I think kind of if you just forget that part of it, just, you know, take it for what it is, Moonraker argument. Um, yeah, you just... I mean, I forgot he was American probably within 10 minutes of watching this because you just kind of, okay, whatever. Um, and... You know, I, I I see issues with his portrayal of him, but outside of that, I think he does a decent job. And, um, you know, again, haven't read the book, so... Because um, <laughs> I'm dumb. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that needed to be said like that. But, um, Our audience already understood that. It didn't need to be said at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what else to add. I liked him, yep. <laughs> um. I guess one other thing to you know mention here uh, is with Barry Nelson. He's <laughs> it, this has become known as the Barry Nelson Bond, and I think that just shows how strong the Bond character is because we've been referring to this the whole time as the Barry Nelson Bond, and everybody knows that. But like 
it almost gives off the impression Barry Nelson's more famous than he is. I mean, if you look on IMDb, his most famous role is playing a guy who had one scene in The Shining. Um, one of his other more famous roles was a character that, no no joke, the description of the character is actor on television in Poltergeist. <laughs> he spent most of his career doing anthology TV shows like The Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock, two episodes of Climax. He's not a famous guy, but again, that just shows how strong this character is, that Barry Nelson, any Bond fan knows who Barry Nelson is, whether they've seen this or not. I mean, neither of you had seen it, and you know who Barry Nelson was. Mm. Yeah, and... Well, Gloria, you would say he's probably the most famous thing to come out of Climax, uh, okay. as besides, yeah, besides Peter Laurie, because Climax, if you look at the Wikipedia page, there's only three entries that have their own individual page for the episode. So, while, and that's the other thing, this wasn't, this kind of went by unnoticed. It's not like, oh, this big thing, Ian Fleming's James Bond is getting adapted. Like it's only like the eighties or so that this became a bit of a, a legend that there was this thing. Otherwise, it was just season one, episode three of Climax. Yeah. There was nothing more to it. For the- it was found, wasn't yeah. it, in the eighties? Quote found, like because yeah. from what I was reading on the history of it, it was sort of yeah, like as you were saying, just there an episode. And I would have been interested actually. Uh, I think from what I was reading about Climax, it had ended. I think in the late fifties, but. You know, a couple of years later, Dr. No comes out. Was there anybody in 1962, like, going, hey, hang on a minute, I remember that episode of Climax. And like, hey, Mildred. Hey, Millie. Was Barry Nelson going? Climax episode? Was Barry Nelson sitting back going, <laughs> let's go to the cinema, Mildred, and watch that character I played on Climax. What a disgrace. <laughs> they turned Card Sense Jimmy Bond into a Brit. How could they? Yeah, the Americans were furious of how they messed with climate. No, but seriously, they probably thought after this one live performance, no one would ever view this thing ever again. Mm. And here we are in 2015 talking about Climax, probably the only podcast in the history of ever. To, well, maybe there's a few James Bond films that have talked, uh, podcasts that have talked about it. But seriously, like this is not something that was a big deal. Can I just quickly say, I love on these Wikipedia entry, it's got Barry Nelson died on April 7, 2007, while traveling in oh, you love County, that? Pennsylvania, <laughs> nine days before his 90th birthday. The cause of death was unknown. He was 89. I don't really think there's a big confusion about why somebody would die at that age. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to bring up that. death this early. We just got attached to Barry Nelson and now you just ripped him out from under us. <laughs> killing him off? In case people listening to this want to get his autograph or something, he's dead. You can't. Mildred was yeah. a... I want a sequel to Climax Jesus. in 2007. Probably Mildred. <laughs> well, it's 2007. She's old. But she died. Everybody else from Climax is dead. She's the only surviving viewer of the original program. <laughs> That's what she sounded like in 2007. What did she sound like in 2015? <laughs> she doesn't sound like anything. She's in the grave with Barry Nelson. Hey, 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 I'm Mildred. Fat Albert's back. We're sorry. Um, Bring back the Hulk. Let's jump into this. I guess we're, we're going to kind of do this differently. There's three acts to Climax. Episode 3, <laughs> Casino Royale. Uh, the first act, I guess, we'll break it up into two sections here and just talk about some of the better moments. And I just have to say, starting right off the bat, um, I love the, Jimmy Bond entering the casino and the gun that is pointed completely sideways <laughs> that mysteriously misses him somehow. Again, live television production, how do you have one camera and film a gun shooting a guy and not have it look awkward. But it's just Someone hilarious. So needs to re-edit that so when that gun shoots, you have 
like, like as Daniel Craig in Casino Royale turns around when it's black and white, shoots him. Dan it, have a bullet coming straight through the opening sequence. Yeah. Yeah, someone's um, so needs to edit that. So Barry Nelson does a Casino Royale into the intro. Another funny thing was that after the shooting, where, again, there's some things in this episode where you feel like they probably could have done this maybe even in half an hour with what they had, because he's standing behind this pillar as it's shot about 12 times. Um, and then as you can hear the, the car door or whatever, or the car drive away, Barry Nelson Bond, Jimmy Bond, just turns around and he says something like, uh, oh... I'm never going to catch him now. It's like, well, he just got in his car. You could just turn around, get in a car, and follow him. He's kind of the lazy Bond, I guess. Um, <laughs> this pretty much uh, transitions into the meeting with Clarence, a.k.a. Felix, um, where this is one of the lines where I actually did think that this was kind of a traditional James Bond line, where I think it was Clarence says to him, you know, uh, are are you the guy? Or I have it written down here uh, specifically. Um, are you the fellow who was shot? And he goes, "No, I'm the fellow who was missed." Oh uh, yeah, like, I like that. That was a classic yeah. Bond yeah. line. That was good Bond one liner. He's um, even got the one liners to. Did Bond have one liners in the Casino Royale novel? Because it's, it's been a while since I read it. Like, because this is a classic Bond one liner. No, I I don't remember. Like, I haven't read Casino Royale the novel since. Gosh, maybe like around the time the Casino Royale movie came out was the last time I read it. I'd read it a few times before then, but yeah, it'd be interesting to go back over there because this could be the beginning of one-liners. I don't even think, I think Ian Fleming did have the odd one-liner in there, but it wasn't really this obvious, but it's a nice moment Americans. still. The American got to make Bond funny! Then we basically get into a scene, like this is very condensed, and there's a huge chapter dedicated to explaining the rules of Baccarat in the novel. And even after reading that book, I don't know, three, four times, I still have no idea how the game is played. And this doesn't help. Where it's just exposition going back and forth with Clarence explaining, you know, this is uh, what's going on with Le Chief, which is the same plot we already know from the novel and the movie. He's in debt and, you know, he's got to get this money back that he owes the, in this case, the Russians. Uh, otherwise, he's going to be dead, and it's basically, you know, in this case, the combined efforts of Jimmy Bond and Clarence Leiter saying, "Let's bankrupt the guy here at the casino." But they kind of cut back and forth. Well, they cut back and forth between every once in a while. He's like, "This is the serious plot," and then somebody walks past. He's like, "The next rule of Baccarat is." <laughs> <laughs> It's not going to be the most painful scene with Baccarat we're going to see. I think they could have played that scene a bit more for laughs with what they're mm -hmm. saying when the people walk past. They could have done a better job with that scene, I think. Yeah. And again, like television production, very early days, uh, not having an audience to play off of. Some of these things can be forgiven. But I guess we'll kind of do that as the first half of Act 1 here. Uh, the introduction to Jimmy Bond and also the introduction of Clarence along with the rules of Baccarat and and explaining Le Chief. And let's also talk about Clarence as a character. Um, I think despite the fact they make him British, I really like Clarence as a character. He's kind of an amalgamation here of Mathis and Clarence from the novel and you know later the movie. But I think that in some ways he pulls off this better than Jimmy Bond because Jimmy Bond's just sort of a pawn in the story, whereas the story's being delivered by Clarence. He has to handle a lot of exposition. I think of all the actors in the movie, I don't even know the name of the guy who plays him. What is his name? Michael Pate um, or Michael Pate. I don't know how you pronounce that. I feel like Ben Al mispronouncing anything. Pata. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Pata. Pata. Thank you. That's, that, that's Ben's pronunciation. Uh, 
But I, I think he really pulls off the Clarence character. Not that there's a lot to do there, but he introduces the story well. So the scene's a lot better than the Backrat scene later on. And like you said, no, I, it would be interesting to see this just done a little bit differently with more humor. Uh, yeah, we didn't mention William Lundigan, our esteemed host for the night of Climax. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? This is a... This has killed more people. Son? Like he says, it's killed a heap of people. Really? <laughs> and the shoe. He, he shows up to the shoe. It's like, so nobody can try any funny business. <laughs> it needed more like live goofs. So it's like, this has killed more people. Go, oh, sorry. I was supposed to pick up the gun. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I need more, more more live goofs in this, I think. Um, yeah, the shooting at him is a bit weird. It's part of the novel, kind of. Um, but it's weird that they're just like, oh. All right, let's go in and gamble. Oh, damn, got shot at. Um, so that's kind of funny, and I guess you assume that it's Le Chiffre's, uh men, but I feel like there's, yeah, there's not too much uh, conclusion to that plot line, really, is there? Um, is there any? <laughs> <laughs> Just that for, throughout the next hour, every single person who meets him is like, are you the guy who was shot? Yes. <laughs> By the end, he said, "No, I'm the fellow who was missed." <laughs> sick of saying. Um, yeah, I, I wrote that down too. That was a good one-liner. Um, I just love that they have to make Clarence stupid in order to uh, set up the plot. Like, oh, I've always wanted to play baccarat. Please tell me the rules. And like, the Clarence is the stupid character for the purpose of exposition. Um, which, I don't know if we needed explanation to Baccarat. We probably could have gone without that. Um, do we get in, uh, Do we get to know the rules in Casino Royale for what is it, Texan Holden or whatever they play? Um, I don't think so. so do we get I don't to know the rules for golf that. in Goldfinger? <laughs> Good point. Um, one thing I wrote during their meeting, which, again, I think could have been played for laughs when they're talking back and forth of the mission and all that. Bond orders a water. Like, Jimmy Jimmy Bond is the sober Bond, I think. Oh, Jimmy uh, Barry Nelson is the sober Bond. I'll just have a water. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> um, could he not have had then he never gets the water. Water count. Yeah, I'll have a water. Shake it, not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Water count. It would be zero because he never gets the water. I think it, they bring back two alcoholic. It just reminds me of the water boy with Adam Sandler when he goes to that party and he's like, "I'll have a scotch and water, hold scotch." <laughs> it's like, did you just make a joke, Barbie? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> but then I don't know if that was a live stuff up because he never gets the water in the end. They bring him like a Jack Daniels. <laughs> So it's the new mystery of the hat, the mystery of what happened to Bond's water. Um, <laughs> and then uh, when Felix lights his smoke, I wrote here in my notes, a genuine Felix lighter or a genuine Clarence lighter. <laughs> Someone needs to re-edit that into it. Um, and, yeah, the plot is pretty much the same as the novel and the film, so we don't need to go too much into that. We learn that he carries three razor blades for slashing purposes. <laughs> no, um, for shaving purposes, in case his hair grows in between his meetings. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention that, but I love the way that sentence like, carries 33, three razor blades for slashing purposes. <laughs> <laughs> what if the other lines are, 
start shaving. He's <laughs> <laughs> very hairy. He's, he's a salesman or something like that. Yeah. Um, and we learn that, yes, yeah, he has three henchmen who follow him everywhere, and we'll get to them soon. But we learn that um, he means literally because everywhere he goes, he's got three people literally like a meter, no, half a meter behind him. Um, and only Clarence, one has an Yeah. <laughs> Clarence is why um, why did they change the name I've just been doing some googling and I can't see that Felix is a particularly British name or anything like that American name isn't it um, I mean that it's a particularly like name that no one would get like with the Americans going oh who's this Felix we only know the name Clarence like it, it it doesn't make so much sense as to why they would change the name unless they thought Felix wasn't British enough. But I'm looking here, and Felix seems to be a name used by people all over the world. Um, famous Felixes. There's a lot of popes who are called Felix. Um, the cat. Anti-pope Felix V. What's an anti-pope? <laughs> Is that like... The devil. The evil pope. <laughs> There's a film in that. I'm sorry to apologies to anyone who knows a lot they about popes. The, yeah, they didn't want the satanic uh, association of Felix Leiter. <laughs> <laughs> they needed something a lot more angelic sounding. Jimmy Bond. Yeah. <laughs> the Americans will only associate it with anti-Pope Felix V from 1439. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense as to why they've changed the name. Um, the character, he's all right. He's just classic Bond ally. Um, yeah, why couldn't he just be an American agent too? I don't know if they went to the lengths to get a British guy. And by the way, he's Australian, first Australian in Bond history. It seems weird for them to go to the length of getting a British guy, but his character pretty pretty much exists for only the plot purposes. But in a weird way, you almost get that there's more of a friendship between these two than uh, Daniel Craig and Jeffrey Wright in Casino Royale. So I'm not too harsh on Clarence, but the character is just absurd. And he is so British. Like He could have been Dickle later. Like, that would have yeah. been much better. <laughs> the Americans would have got Dicko. Um, yeah. Clarence, he's okay. And yeah, we'll we'll get into Valerie in a moment. Um, yeah, I thought Felix. I mean, the cat was extremely famous. That was American, wasn't it? Like Felix the Cat. Oh, yeah. Like that was was that yes, back so. in nineteen fifty four though? Yeah, nineteen nineteen. It was it was invented in um. Silence. Jeez, you, you know you Felix the cat. Oh history, look, man. you know there's a few things <laughs> you don't know about me and my Felix the cat. Um, uh, I like the pictures. I was actually, <laughs> I'm actually reading here. It actually is is rumored that there's a as an argument as to where Felix the Cat comes from. It could have even been Australian. There you go. Um, what is Felix the Cat? Oh. But yeah, <laughs> Michael Pate must have played Felix the Cat in the yeah. original motion picture on Climax. Um, that was just a random thing there. No, I the the bit when he comes in after he's being shot, and I've written here. There's a line when he said something like, oh, they weren't after my autograph either. Or something. I haven't written it down properly here. Does anyone remember what that was? Because I like that line. It was kind of alongside near the line of, oh, it was the fellow who they missed. Anyway, there's a line there where he said something. Must have been fans 
poltergeist hunting him down for his autograph. <laughs> yes. Um, and, yeah, the, I'm glad you brought up the, the water bit there, Noah, because I noticed that too, that straight away he orders the water and he gets brought like a dark drink. I'm like, wow, their taps are very rusty in um, 1954. <laughs> like, um, we should point out this is in France too, isn't it? Which is another change. Is it? Oh, okay. I didn't actually know there was... Is it? <laughs> or am I making that up? Do we hear? Well, they mentioned... They say France. Yeah, France. I guess it's the Franks. That makes London, sense, London doesn't it? Yeah. Um, which, which, of I'm course, it makes, it makes it make a little bit more sense as to why you have the British and the Americans working together, because now really has a jurisdiction in France. All those French accents yeah, actually, were a giveaway, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is France in the novel, isn't it? But then it's Montenegro in the film. Am I making that no, up? I know it's Montenegro uh, in the film. I can't remember. Yeah, Montenegro in the film, but I think it's probably France in the novel. One, we'll fact check. That. We will. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, you two can do. Yes, that. Northern France. Northern France, of course. Yeah. Unlike that, Southern France. Next question: Why did they change it in the 2006 movie? But maybe we'll get into because Montenegro later. was a new country in 2006, and it, nobody knew where it was. So it made people look up an atlas, I guess. They were bribed by the Montenegrins. <laughs> yes. to have it, in- it was all for tourism purposes. Now, the thing that I didn't get with this whole scene is like so bond's there watching the table and he you know starts getting talked to by felix and uh, sorry clarence um you know and they're chatting like oh i saw you play blah 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 blah. then they go and sit down and then they've got that scene they have like matchsticks or something is that kind of their code like oh we're spies we can talk spy stuff now like what was that with the matchsticks on the table i didn't understand that I didn't notice anything on the table, <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, I wasn't looking at the contents of the table. Right, I was right. more Maybe I'm just assuming that was like missing water. that was their code, like, oh, let's start talking about stuff. Um, but yeah, the whole explaining Baccarat and then the people come up and then they were like, oh, yes, we should play this game. But then we've got to kill him. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, but ha, 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 ha. Um, And <laughs> I loved it when he's like explaining, like, he's got three guards with him. Basil. <laughs> I'm just thinking of faulty. I don't know if it's bad sound quality, but does it sound anybody else like he has a lisp and he's calling him Basil the whole time? I just wanted it to be faulty towers with um yeah. Mrs. Faulty going Basil. <laughs> so, so what I don't get is the three henchmen are Basil, Zoltan, and Zurov. <laughs> Why, why Basil? The other two, I, I'm sensing a bit of alliteration should, here, and then Basil. They should have, like, done it the opposite. They should have been like, Zoltan, Zuroff, and Basil. <laughs> like, yeah. Say but, first. Say it last. Where, where was, uh, what's the Sean Connery on? Z- Zardoz or... <laughs> Zardoz. <laughs> Zoltan, Zuroff, and Zardoz. Of course, we're, Zoltan, that's such a science fiction. We're, we're all big fans of Zuroff, the actor who played him. Unknown actor, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> he went up to big things. He was just massive. That's his actual name. He's French. Unknown <laughs> actor. <laughs> so funny if it was. Good call. Um, but yeah, like I, when, he, when he had that line, I know, Colin, you mentioned it when it's like, um, oh, it's unfil- unfamiliar to me, baffling like American football. Like, he should have just, like, started explaining American football then. It's like, oh, sorry. Sorry, Baccarat. <laughs> so then you get the ball. The receiver yells, Blue 42, hike! And I, I don't even know the rules of American football. I would have been lost. Um, and, yeah, uh, I don't have a whole lot more to add on that. Valerie Mathis, yeah, I guess we're talking about her next, are we? Because um, 
You know, is that what, what did you think of Clarence? You didn't really mention. Oh, what him. did I? Yeah, look, he he could have been James Bond, couldn't he? Like, you know, he was very British. Yeah, oh, almost. Um, you know, he was he was okay. I was yeah, kind of thinking the whole time like we've got American James Bond, British Clarence Felix Leiter. Um, but you know, I think was it you know we mentioned that they kind of have a bit more you know chemistry than uh, than Craig and Thingo in <laughs> Casino Royale. So yeah, I don't know. He's okay. Like he was he was there. He was he was a character. In this he's film. better than uh, Sex 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 Linda. That's for sure. He's better than John Terry. Where's his hookers? <laughs> Clarence's hookers. <laughs> French hookers. Clarence's angel. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> let's uh cover i guess the next section of this which is uh just more of story setup nothing really happens in the first act here but there's a lot of the introducing the characters so we find out that valerie mathis who's of course taking the last name of mathis and uh the first initial of the first name of vesper (laughs) and a character that really has nothing to do with the original one at all she's an ex-girlfriend of jimmy's and now she's the girlfriend of lashif Lashif looks like a little toad, as we said earlier. Uh, very famous actor Peter Lorre playing him, and um, yeah, there's a there's a brief scene where Jimmy is in his room. He found out that his room's gonna be bugged, and he's in there talking to Valerie. And <laughs> this is the fun- to me, this is the funniest part of the whole the whole movie. He turns the music up really loudly so they can't hear him, and then he proceeds to yell above the music <laughs> for the entire. <laughs> like, so I heard they're poking my room. <laughs> I love the line from Le Chief when he turns up the music. The Chief goes, "Oh, music lover." Yes, I love that too. <laughs> he turns up music, so he must be a music lover. Damn those music lovers! <laughs> like he doesn't get what he's doing. Um, it's not much going on. Well, I guess we should probably save talking about Valerie and. Lashif for a little bit later on, so there's something to talk about maybe in the second act. <laughs> but um, one other scene, I guess, that we could uh, talk about here outside of that, yelling above the music, is um, when Jimmy takes the phone call later on. Which uh, the most confusing thing in the world. First of all, there's a very brief moment where Clarence is um, uh, talking about he's lost his shirt, so Bond's a bad teacher. <laughs> I don't know what Bond was teaching him outside of Baccarat. Maybe Clarence is out there doing like a male stripper circuit in Vegas or something. Was this strip back around? He's like in the basement. I just love that Jimmy's trolling Clarence. This is the part where you take your shirt off and cut to Clarence playing back around. And they're like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> He's just messing with them. <laughs> Jimmy's telling the complete wrong rules just to mess with it. That would be a James Bond uh, Take your shirt off and rub your nipples with ice. <laughs> Every time somebody goes in, and you need to remove your sock and suck your big toe. <laughs> oh, they could have made this film so much funnier. <laughs> we could be writing Casino Royale 67 sequel right now. <laughs> Um, the, the, let's talk about the phone, okay? The person who calls Jimmy, which, <laughs> first of all, they just sound hilarious. Like, this is a friend. <laughs> <laughs> is this M? <laughs> oh, man, you guessed it. Sorry. James Bond has no friends. <laughs> Hangs we, up. We needed more, more uh, line of comedy there. Is this M? No. <laughs> Maybe. Sylvia? No. <laughs> Oh, is this you? No. Maybe. Just, 
I'm guessing for like an hour and him just saying maybe over and over. That's how we get the 90 minute movie out of it, Noah. So you won't do <laughs> that the half an hour scene of him guessing on the phone. Money, Penny? Maybe. <laughs> but who is this person on the phone? Do we ever. Like, I've watched this at least. I think this is the third time I've ever seen this. I still have no clue who this person on the phone is that keeps calling it's him. It's a friend. Call him. It's, it's a friend. It's a friend. Everything's going on. This is a friend. It's Clarence getting him back. He said Clarence yeah, in another room. Like, oh, it's a friend. That would be really funny. Like, Clarence, like, is this you? Yes. This is a friend. You see Clarence in the background cupping his hand over his mouth. Is that you, Clarence? Pay no attention to the man cupping his hand over his mouth. Clarence? Who's Clarence? It's Felix. It's this Felix. It's Felix. <laughs> I've always assumed it's Zoltan, Zurov, or Basil. Yeah. Well, not always. I've seen this once yesterday, but I assumed it was Zoltan, <laughs> Zurov, or you Basil. the novelization of Barry Nelson's <laughs> Includes an intro from William Lundigan. I thought it was William Lundigan. <laughs> He's the one calling. He's breaking the fourth wall. I'm your calling- friend. Into the story. Watch out! This time for a commercial break. <laughs> Damn you, William! Do you have any theories to back that up, though, Noah? Well, who else would be calling him? The people. He... That's my question. Who's gonna be calling him? The people who shot him. And and the, whoever's calling him is like, if you don't give the girl back, like. We don't find this out, or maybe this is some one of the maybe parts that's missing. I'm sorry, I forgot your water, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I messed your order up. You need to pay for the scotch, or she will be killed. <laughs> My bad. Well, I mean, who else would it be other than Basil Zoltan or Zurov, or all three to make them sound extra deep? Like, who else would it be? But we didn't ever get an explanation of them either. Daniel Craig. Well, uh, uh, but they all sound the same. That we, like, uh, I'm sure if you did an investigation where you listened to Basil Zoltan and Zuroff, you could probably match the voices. <laughs> Let's just go to our local police and get them to use audio <laughs> technology. We need you to crack the case. Officers, <laughs> whose voice is this? Which actor? Is it unknown actor? Is it Kurt Katz or is it Gene Roth? <laughs> <laughs> Can we interview unknown actor's daughter or something to ask if it was him? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, have you finished talking about that, Noah, or do I, my go, or I don't know what's going on right now? Uh, well, I guess, uh, yeah, the apartment scene, I guess it's classic. Uh, if we're saving talking about Valerie for later, then not too much to add other than, ah, music lover. <laughs> um, that is listening but, to the Beatles without earmuffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, we need to unlike that. This is like listening to Bill Haley and the Comets without earmuffs or something. Like that. Um, yeah, this apartment scene, I guess we don't get too many, or what is it, hotel scene. We don't get too much of that, but that was classic, like Dr. No from Russia of Love, early Bond stuff. So we've got some of that. Um, again, we'll talk about Valerie later, but geez, they didn't want to save the twist that she might be working with Le Chief for very long, did they? They didn't play it like the novel or the film. But, um, yeah, 
not too much to add, really, for the rest of this scene, if we're saving talking about Valerie, other than I thought we were going to have the first kiss count here, but not quite. I thought it was turning to four your eyes only. We don't know if this is a hotel room or a boat or an apartment <laughs> or what's going on. Um, what? That's the big twist. Casino Royale is a boat. One thing I forgot to mention when the scene before is that when um, Lyda keeps like telling him to look at the guards, he's like, you can look now. And like there was one of the times he looks, one of the guards is looking straight back at him. It's like... <laughs> didn't do very well there, Lina. Like again, that's Clarence trolling him. <laughs> yeah. Stop peeking. And I love the whole fact with his shirt. Like you mentioned, he like lost his shirt. Is it later on? He's on the phone and he's like, "I'm sorry about your shirt, Lighter. Like, just yeah, this is their code. Stripping is their code. <laughs> just this forgotten shirt. It's like the mystery of the water and the hat. Where's he missing a shirt from? Like, did he steal it from? I don't know. Um, they're the whole. Vesper, whatever her name is, Valerie Bitt, and I'd rather see your room. It's like, ooh, 1950s sexual stuff. This is going to be kinky. Um, they, I, The one bit I don't get, they get on the elevator, then they get out of the elevator, then they watch the numbers of the floor go to number six. Like, they're already on the sixth floor. Why are they waiting for the other people in the elevator to be there? I don't get it. It's And why is there a zero on that elevator? <laughs> is there some floor that leads to nowhere? That's the floor of death. That's the place where the sheep is tortured in Casino Um Yeah, I, I love the awkward 50s kissing. Um, it's just, this is why I don't like old movies, because I just... Face smearing it's just, is, I think, what it's known as. It's like somebody puts glue on their face and is like, hold still for five minutes. Like, Jesus, passion in the 50s was big. Um, and yeah, I love the whole music bit, though you said that. Um, and I love the acting kind of when they, he turns the music down and it's like... You've got to ask me the same questions that you were going to ask me anyway. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're going to tell me those things. Jimmy, you used to love me. Like, she rocks up and is all like, oh, I so love. And then she's like, do you remember me? I was the one that did this. Oh, yes, I remember you. <laughs> Clearly, they must have had such a big connection when they first knew each other. Yes, your name is <laughs> Sylvia. <laughs> Vesp- Holly? Vespa? Holly? Holly? Valerie. <laughs> but uh yes um I, this is the friend i don't know who is on the phone either this is a friend um yeah i <laughs> so many unanswered questions in this film. <laughs> so many plot holes in casino royale <laughs> we need answers damn it. damn it barry nelson man fix it if they ever recovered episode you have to four die before fine, max <laughs> Jeez, is there any producers alive left for us to interview and figure out all these I, questions? I now have one wish if I ever get myself a time machine. It's not to, like, you know, go in the future and see myself grow up or, like, you know, stop Hitler from killing millions of people. It's like going into the 50s to uh, ask the director questions about 1954 Casino Royale. <laughs> um, like, ah, we should probably move... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if... Uh... Anyone remembers about this? Um, is there anyone alive involved in this? I think no one is. Um, uh, the guy who founded in I the I don't know about Eugene Borden. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about Act 2. Can't say it's my favourite act of the film. Um, so choose so we have... Uh, we have... Well, we've all, we have um, Dr. Kaufman talking to Clarence for a minute. Um, he was in this film for a little bit. I'm not sure if he was one of the henchmen or a different character. Um, act two, the card game. 
<laughs> Literally, <laughs> that's Act Two, and this goes on and on and on. We get to see in real time Bond play Baccarat Bunko with Lashif. And I will never complain about the golf scene ever again <laughs> after watching this because this is literally watching them play Baccarat. And even though we've just learnt the rules, I have no idea what's going on here. It's just they play cards. Um, so there's nothing to add more on that other than it was the card game. Um boring as hell, easily the weakest part of this film, and I just really wanted to turn it off at this point. Uh, after that, we have Le Chief's man threatening Bond with a... What is it? Like a walking K-gun? Yeah. This is a gun. Um, Which that was a scene guess... from the book. That was a scene from the book, too. I don't think it was yeah. a cane in the book, but yeah, it was the exact same scene in the book, them trying to hold a gun to him right in the middle of the casino, and he even escapes in the same way. Zikovsky's gun. I... And I like, uh, yeah, it is. I guess it's the Kofsky yeah. plan. It's a prequel to World Is Not Enough. Um, which, yeah, like, it's a bit silly, but that's a classic campy Bond, I guess. Um, and then you've also got another, one of the other, it's either Basil, Zoltan, or Zurov, not sure which is which, with the, like, the coat, having the gun out of the coat. Well, there's no one thinking, what's that big thing sticking out of his coat? Like, why well... is he holding his coat like <laughs> And um, <laughs> geez, Basil, he's very excited by Barry. Um, yeah, Valerie is gone. She's going to get the money out, which again, similar to Casino Royale. And they're what? No, Valerie, that can't happen. So they're uh, Clarence is searching for Valerie, I believe, and Bond is searching for Lashif. Um, I think that's the right way it went. And then Bond gets a phone call. Again, from a friend. <laughs> from a friend. This a friend is, is a calling. Friend. Friend. <laughs> this is your friend. <laughs> it's Basil. I'm a friend. Did you see what was under my coat? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got a guardian angel or something, or a guardian. He's Bond has his very own anti-pope who just calls him and <laughs> says bad things to him. Um, and then. Uh, what have we got here? The chief discovers has discovered is an agent of Duj. How do you pronounce that? Dushim. 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 Yeah. So, um, wait. Who's an agent of Dushim? Isn't Mathis? Mathis is. Mathis is. Mathis. Yeah. So, essentially, it's a double plot to it. Double plot to it. Double cross because. Valerie used to be with Bond. Now she's with Lashif, but really she's double-crossing both of them, and she's with the French secret police or something intelligence agency. So very complex plot for climax season one, episode three. Uh, so Valerie double-crossing them. Um, after that, we have again Bond is caught, and before it was. Valerie will be killed if Bond wins, but then Bond won, so they're like, oh, damn, we've actually got to kill her now. Uh, didn't think that would happen. So now it's, you've got one day and Valerie will die if you don't give us the check. So now they're just trying everything because everything's just not working for them. Um, so Bond now has to decide, does he give that up um, and give up the check and they've failed the mission? 
or is Valerie killed? And then Le Chief comes in and he holds a bond at gunpoint. And that's the end of Act 2. So um, mainly it's just the card game, but I guess there's some all right stuff. We've got a plot twist after that and some all right stuff with Clarence and Bond running around the casino and cane guns. Um, so maybe we can also talk about Mathis here, Valerie Mathis. They've kind of combined Vespa and Mathis into one character, which weird. Um, why couldn't they just had Vespa or Mathis? It's weird that they had to do both. Um, but again, Valerie Mathis is the first ever Bond girl. Um, and she's all right. One of the more weaker parts of this film. She's a bit flat, but she gets the job done, I guess. She's typical damsel in distress, even though she's a part of what the French military intelligence agency, um, but, I mean, she does the job, I guess. Um, and, obviously, they had to add the whole... She used to know him because this is only 50 minutes and they can't really show Bond and Valerie getting together and falling in love. So they've got to add this plot that they used to know each other just to save time because this is a condensed version of the novel. Um, but that's pretty much all I've got to add on Valerie, really. She's one of the weaker parts of the film, but not horrible. Now you're just somebody that I used to know. They should have started breaking out into that. Sounds like basically a plot twist of Alias. Like, I only ever saw a couple episodes of that, but there was like 13 different double agents and triple agents every time I watched that. Like, oh, I'm working with him. No, I'm working with him. No, I'm working with this. And, yeah, you lose track of it after a while. And she's like the worst French agent ever. Uh, (laughs) She's a member of the French Secret Service and shit. France was in trouble in the 1950s. Um, yeah, it's all about the cards in this act, isn't it? It's like, Jesus. And I, I'm I'm guessing they had to do this whole sequence of them explaining how to play the game because we actually get to see it for about 13 hours. Um, it's like, seven, <laughs> six. I'm like, okay, so that means he's losing. It's like, six, five. Oh, okay. Guess they can't really do montage in live performances. <laughs> and is this game, like, this? if this is all this game is is to pull a card from a thing and flip it over. There's no skill involved in this game at all. It's just luck. You're just getting cards. I think it's all about... Yeah, it's more about who you're betting on to have the better card. But it's like you get it and you're like, oh, crap, I've got seven. Like I think you just get it and then you pick up that <laughs> thing at the beginning and throw it at the other person's head and then you win. And then I did... Apparently kill more people I did not understand any of it because at the end bit there when Le Chiffre gets back around, I'm like, oh, he's won, clearly. And then they're all like, no, Bond's won. I'm like, What? Yeah, I thought the sheep had won too. <laughs> yeah, I thought if you get like if you get blackjack in blackjack, you won. Like, why is the point of baccarat when you get the word of the name of the game? Maybe you this lose. was a live goof, and they just had to roll with it. Somebody in the background just Does trolled. Baccarat them. actually translate as big loser in French or something. <laughs> oh God, I just. I don't know, isn't it an Uno when you, like, win or something? you got to yell at Uno or something like that. <laughs> they're playing Uno in this. <laughs> Yachty. That was the 2006 Snap. version they played That's Uno. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Snap! Like, when you get the same cards. Someone needs to re-edit their voices during when he's explaining it. And then you get a pair and you say, Snap. <laughs> oh, I see. 
Go fish, Clarence. <laughs> um, is this, and yeah, you, the bit where the gun and he's holding, is this where he's holding up Felix at the phone and he's kind of like, oh, I will shoot you or blah, blah, blah. And then it rings, he answers it, and then he like runs away. It's like, what? This guy just shoots Felix or Clarence. Like, he's the worst henchman ever. I will kill you right now. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> I'm wondering if this is like in the script, like because this is live. Just like you know, they just keep trolling each other. Like at some point, did Michael just like go? Oh, I'm not. I don't want to die in this script. And he runs away. And the actors. I love here. uh, If you're typing back around, it says in popular culture, James Bond and the Royal Back. Scandal of 1891. Ooh. Can we get a film about that? But, like, literally, Baccarat is so, like, just such a niche game that James Bond is the only popular culture thing to have actually explored it. And then they didn't even use it in the 2006 one. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've really got anything else to add. When, when, he, when he answers the phone and he's like, Operator. Is this a bit where he's like, keeps pressing the thing? He's like, going, Operator. Operator. Like, he's just doing it for ages, or is that later? Am I skipping ahead? Um, I don't know. I can't say I remember that. <laughs> we all bit. remember this. We all watched this yesterday. It goes for 50 minutes, and we all remember every part of it. You sure that Oops. wasn't in episode four of Climax? <laughs> 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 loved it so much, he ended up binging the entire season of Climax on Netflix. I was about to say, just, I decided to Netflix just to watch Climax. <laughs> No, there's a scene. Going back and watch it. It's like he's getting angry at the phone. Operator, operator. And it's like an awkward pause. And it's like, hello, hello, Jimmy. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't really have much else to add. I think Noah explained it a lot better than I understood the plot. But um... <laughs> And even then, I had no idea what oh, I was talking about. Oh, right, Valerie, about. yes. Um, and also, look, she's okay. She's <laughs> typical 1950s woman in an episode. Like, there's nothing really to add here. Like, I'm not trying to say that it's a bad thing. What were the women like in the other episodes <laughs> in of season one? Of well, um, <laughs> there's this ec- uh, episode with a character called Jinx. And... Uh... <laughs> oh, no. But, um, you know, she's, she's okay. I don't, I don't understand why they don't call her Vespa. But, um, obviously, Americans didn't want to know what the name Vespa was. Vespa? What's a Vespa? <laughs> Vespa and Felix? Huh? Um, yeah, that's that's all I've got to add on her. I don't really have too much to say on her. She's there and she likes music and she's in the French and she screams a lot when Bond gets his toes chopped off. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the perfect explanation uh, was we just, we watched Baccarat for about 16 hours, I think is what you said, Ben. Um, <laughs> my first note on this act says, Act 2, it is time to fall asleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then my second note said, Good thing we had that Baccarat explanation earlier on. Uh, it really doesn't help at all. And this is definitely the weakest part of this film, this episode, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's really kind of boring. And The way Ian Fleming describes it in the book, it's really, you don't understand the game more. I remember the first time I read this book, it was probably like 2001, 2002, and... I read the chapter twice because I had no idea what he was talking about, but he described it in this way that just sounded exciting, you know? So you just go with it later on. You really can't go with it in this. But again, live episode, what else are they going to do? I think with the the Valerie thing, you guys may be underselling her a bit. And I'm not saying that she's a great character. I think more this than anything... This is not going to be a, like a good night thing or no, Carver, no, right? no. where you were in love with Valerie Mathis. Oh, Carver is <laughs> no, so no. underrated, just like Mathis. 
<laughs> um, Valerie is Mathis, though. I don't know how that works, Ben. Um, but I said uh, no, you didn't. You said Mathis. <laughs> Rewind the tape. I said Kava. I think more than anything, it's not going to be a, like a good night thing. Or no, no, era, no, Where you were in love with Valerie Mathis. Oh, Kava is no, so no. underrated, just like Mathis. <laughs> Live goof. <laughs> yes, right. You're gonna go in and dub it later on, even though I know you said <laughs> I'm more confused by your two conversation than Casino Royale 1954 right now. Um, no, but more than anything, I think her character is too complicated for its own good because, like you said, we think that she's just the ex-girlfriend who's now the present girlfriend of Lashif, and then we find out, well, no, she's an agent. And she's an agent kind of working against all this. And then she has the money, but where is she? And Bond doesn't know where she is. Lashif doesn't know where she is. This, it's not a great part of the movie, but it's too complicated. Where This is something where if this had been 90 minutes, two hours, then Valerie's character is a lot more complicated, a lot more interesting. It's how just, there's no way. The money? Who is yeah, she? How does she get the money? Like, I blinked. I think <laughs> I was responding to a message. <laughs> I was responding to a message from one of you two. And th- that's when I realized, wait, I thought Lashif had won this game. And then I also like, wait, why are they asking Valerie? Because let's be well, honest. Why does she have Bond's bank account? Well, and why <laughs> for five minutes, we talk about how the Backrack game goes on forever. For five minutes, all we have is, where's Mathis? Where's Miss Mathis? Do you know where Mathis is? I don't know. Did, I thought she was with you. And that goes on forever. But there is one. <laughs> where did real... she go? <laughs> <laughs> she just like... <laughs> She stepped out for a quick game of strip Yahtzee, and <laughs> she just comes back in later on. There's a, there's one really funny moment here, though, where um, Bond is on the phone again with his friend, and uh, the friend's saying, like, we're going to kill Miss Mathis if you didn't do what we wanted. And she walks in, she's like, hi, Jimmy! <laughs> well, it's like, but then the guy on the phone is like, we have her right now. She's going to scream when you shoot her. And he's like, yeah, oh, he's like, you, do you, you have her with you? <laughs> yeah, he's got his arm around. He's like, so she's with you right now, then, right? Uh, can she talk? No, she can't talk right now. We pulled out her tongue viciously, violently. Everyone is a moron in this film, even Jimmy. Uh, yeah, um, that 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 part was just really funny, and uh, I think this is technically in the third act. But you mentioned like Lashif pulling his gun on Jimmy, but if you watch from this point on, and I encourage anybody to go back over and watch Lashif with a gun. It's like, you know, when a kid gets, like, a water pistol, and they'll just be twirling it in their fingers. Like, he, he handles his gun like it's a toy, and he probably should have shot himself by accident three or four times. He's, like, he's like juggling it back and forth and spinning it on his finger. It's just, like, very loose with that gun. Somebody else should be dead by now, but that's jumping a bit ahead. But, yeah, I, I, I find the second act to be so dull, but that one moment makes up for the, for the whole thing. Um. Act three, I think we're up to. That's usually what follows Act two, <laughs> and yeah, I'll try and explain this as best as I can because I think I was sort of, um, you know, <laughs> trying to. I'm still at this point thinking, hang on a minute, didn't Lashif win? Like, why? Why isn't Lashif in the tub? Like, what's going on here? But um, yeah, Bond in a bathtub. Um, we're <laughs> skipping ahead to you only live twice here. Um, and he's <laughs> trying to he's trying to get his check. Lashif wants his check back uh, that he never had anyway because Bond won it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's just chopping he's chopping his toes off, right? Like 
It's like you don't know. It's taking players to them. It's not even chopping it's it. It's like off. 1954 TV violence. Like you see him hold up a tool, then you see them cut away, and you see uh, Barry Nelson's acting. Oh, <laughs> like you don't know what's going on. If this guy's, even if he's just getting them squashed by pliers, surely there's a little bit more screaming involved there. Like Daniel Craig's getting his balls like smushed with a giant rope thing, and even there he's like, you know in a bit of pain. Like, if my toes are getting chopped off, I'm not just going to be rolling my eyes going, ow! Um, well, how do, you, how do you know ball smushing hurts that bad? Have you ever had it done? Let's not comment on that one. Uh, <laughs> I think it would hurt worse than that. <laughs> Let's all get together. I'll um, smush your balls, Colin, <laughs> no. and then no <laughs> you can get your toes. Is this, is this like ball smushing poker is this what you're proposing we'll, we'll live we'll live commentate on it like colin will be like oh hey i'm just about to get my balls smashed oh that hurts um why is the only time i ever say a when you're imitating my accent i don't think i've ever said that phrase in my life barry nelson had balls of steel all right let's just leave it there. and toes of steel too yeah uh, <laughs> he was jaws uh, this is it doesn't at one point Bond at this point calls him an ugly little man or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and this, so then the make- I don't get the the Bond one liner. Painkilling is part of my job. <laughs> he works yeah. for like I have to wrap my head he around works for that Advil line. or something like that. Like <laughs> painkilling is part of my job. And then Lashif, of course, just like Sean Bean does in Golden Eyes, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't painkilling part of my job? Isn't that reversing pain then he's killing the pain off he said pain and killing that's what i put down in my notes live group um pain yeah. and kill they're searching his room at the same point for this check and eventually bond breaks free how does he break free i don't even remember how he breaks free am i even paying attention to this um he had something in his hand it might have been the razor blades right. or something and i've written here when he gets into a fight he's i've written he girly slaps it's gone. Yes. <laughs> Has anyone seen the episode of South Park where they they head off and they're trying to stop the episode of Family Guy and then Cartman and is it Kyle get oh. into that fight and you think they're going to have this massive punch up and they're just slapping each other like girly slaps? Yes. It just reminds me of that. <laughs> like, this was like Bridget Jones' diary calling for a Hugh yeah. Grant going at it. <laughs> in the fountain. Oh, yes. Um, and then we get gunshots off screen and we're having a bit of a debate already about how many deaths and like this is the easiest one we're going to probably ever do and we're still debating how many people die here uh, yeah Lashif is obviously shot and then they're sitting on this couch like this is like the most anticlimactic Bond film ever like you've got the main villain you've just shot him let's just sit down on the couch <laughs> and in the meantime <laughs> Valerie's like all like oh James Jimmy and he's like got enough time to get his razor blade out and as I was saying off air obviously I've, I've had it explained to me why I initially saw one version of it and had to look up another version because the first version I watch sees Lashif get a razor blade keep it then oh let's call the police credits like roll like oh wow that was shit but then obviously the other version sees uh Lashif getting the razor and um trying to get alternate ending. alternate ending trying to get Mathis and then all of a sudden Bond shoots Lashif and then we hear at the end um yeah it's it's and William Lundigan pops up <laughs> this is a friend um <laughs> I've probably missed a lot of stuff. Please, you two, come through with stuff I've missed here. But, yeah, it's 1954. It's, 
you know, 1954 torture scenes. I mean, if this was 2015 on, like, HBO, he would have been feeding his toes to James Bond through his nostrils or something like that. Um, and just the girly slap. Like, the fact that James Bond gets in a girly slap fight with villains is interesting. And what did you think of Le Chiffre as well and the henchmen? Um, the henchmen were there. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing really to kind of... Zoltan, Zuroff, and... My favourite was definitely uh, Zuroff. I mean, unknown actor just portrayed him just like I've never seen anybody portrayed in, in cinema history or TV history. Um, yeah, Lashif was okay. Like, uh, you know, he's he looks like he should be a villain. He really does look like a toad, and he really looks like an evil <laughs> bastard. Um, you can just... I think he would have been a good, like, bon-bon villain if he... I think... Did he die only three years? Was he the one who only died a couple of years after this being... No, I think that was Zoltan. That was Zoltan, right. But, you know, he just, he's just got a look about him that kind of comes across as an evil bastard. So, had this been a 90-minute film um, of just Bond, you know, is this money, Penny? Maybe. Then, like, maybe we could have had a bit more uh, extra villainous deeds by Le Chief. But, um... Of the two films I have seen with Lashif in it, he would be my number two. <laughs> um, yeah, he'd be my number two also. Um, the thing is, Peter Lorre is a very famous actor. You know, going back prior to this, this was kind of, I guess, later in his career when he, you know, wasn't really as uh, um, as, as prominent in Hollywood. But like, it's a guy who was in Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon. Uh, very famous. I, I love the way he's described on Wikipedia, where it just says typically typecast as a sinister foreigner, and <laughs> that's basically all he's playing here. But he does it well. He has that, like you said, the little toad look about him, the ugly little toad, and he looks like this great sleazy villain. And I think more than anything, the only thing that's disappointing is that you can tell there's a lot of skill there, and this was probably him collecting a paycheck. And I get the impression that Peter Lorre maybe ten years earlier. Or at this point in a full 90 minute movie or two hour movie, really nails Le Chiffre. He is still the best one in this movie, though. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I'm glad that the movie had him, and especially this last act. I mean, I'm going to be making fun of a lot of other things here that even Ben didn't make fun of, but I, I don't think that should take away from the fact that this is definitely the best act of the movie. The torture stuff for 1954, I mean, this was pretty aggressive for what we would see. If this were 1964, I don't know if we'd be seeing this, something like this. But first funny thing, uh, you missed the the whole check thing. Um, this is definitely where it dates a little bit because nowadays you can't buy your groceries with a check. Like, checks are completely useless. And I just love that he's saying, like, you know, he wants the money. Nowadays, it's like, give me the cash or give me, you know, the, the, the code to your online banking. At this point, it's like, would you accept a check if I gave it to you? It's like, sure. <laughs> he can just cancel this check at any moment. I don't know how that's any good to him. And, um, yeah, even aside from, as you said, the girly slaps, it's really funny when the guards are tackling Bond to the ground that it you could tell that they're not putting any effort into it. They're just sitting there in position. So, honestly, go back and look at him freeze frame. These men are cuddling on the ground <laughs> when they're supposed to be strangling each other. It looks so bad. Uh and again, just I that like was the, the way... friend. <laughs> yeah, this is the friend. Now we know. That's the first Which... kiss for the. Uh, episode. <laughs> this is like BJ's massage on Bond and Octopussy. 
it's the first sign towards what he's alluding to to Silva and Skyfall yeah. later on. Somebody reacted. He was talking about Casino Royale. Oh, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Bond and Zuro. Yeah. Or Zoltan. Also, Peter Lorre has uh, his delivery, even though it sounds so stupid, like, basically, send him to the bubble bath is what they're saying. <laughs> but the way he says, like, I think he's ready for the bathtub. Like, he delivers it in a really sinister way, and I think that's one of the reasons he works in this. He has one flub line here. Like, we talked about how uh, Barry Nelson has a flub line, but there's a really good flub line here where Peter, Peter Laurie goes, when they're taking Mathis into the back, he goes, if she screams, and then there's this awkward pause, he goes, at her first scream, she's dead. And he just sort of, like, rushes the second part of the line, realizing he completely messed it up. But as you said, Bond's line to him, you're an ugly little man. Why don't you stop talking? <laughs> so he's like, okay, uh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, this is, again, there's, there's at least the one funny moment in everything here. The, the part where he's saying uh, about the check, he's like, well, the check's no good to you anyways, right? And then he goes, that's fine. I'll just tell the police you gave it to me. I was like, well, sure, that solves every theft in the world, I guess. <laughs> Steal somebody's car? I'm uh, sorry, this car was a poor stolen. Oh, no, that's a mistake. He let me borrow I'll it. Tell oh, I'm sorry. I'll tell my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm sorry, this 12-year-old kid in your backseat was abducted three <laughs> days ago. No, no, the parents said it was okay. All right, my mistake. Move along. <laughs> Is this the way everybody gets out of crimes in 1954? <laughs> It's like you, no, it's okay. He told me I could have it. All right, Mr. Goldfinger, we believe you're about to set off a nuclear bomb in Fort Knox. No, no, it was it was Bond. He was going to do it. Oh, okay, then we'll arrest him. <laughs> it was all Felix's idea. It was Dink. Dink did it. <laughs> Dink, blame Dink for everything. Um, this film is lacking some Dink. <laughs> it's all about. There's the one dink. really good moment where Bond just, I think Bond says to Valerie, like, "Shut up!" Valerie goes, "Valerie, shut up!" <laughs> really loud. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that, there's some funny moments in here. But overall, I do like the third act. I think that they're condensing a lot of what happened in the story. I mean, every act is sort of taking the key moments from, you know, I guess the second half of the Casino Royale novel and condensing it together. And even though this is very tame by today's standards, kind of like if you've ever seen the original Frankenstein or the original Dracula or Mummy movies from the 40s, you look at it now and you're like, wow, this is really tame. Yeah, I can't believe people were scared of this, but keeping the context of the time, I mean, they were doing a lot with what few freedoms, I guess, they had on the air. And I think, in particular, the the way the torture scene is done, you know, it, it looks like a letdown today, but I give it some credit for what they were able to pull off in 1954. And I do like Le Chiffre as a villain. I think having, you know, Bond as a character, despite how bad his insults are, I kind of like the rapport that they have together. We just needed Mr. White to walk in and shoot him in between the eyes. That's who's on the phone. Yeah, it's Mr. Yeah. White. Mr. You're a kite, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Dancing in a hurricane. You're a kite, Jimmy. Bang. Uh, <laughs> um, well, did you talk everything about the sheaf and that, Colin? Um, yeah, I, the only other thing left to add is the henchman, which, again, the only other funny thing, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet on the air if it was off air, but the fact that it could be just bad sound quality, but I swear Peter Laurie doesn't refer to him as Basil. He refers to him as Baffle for the entire thing. <laughs> Baffle. Baffle. <laughs> Baffle, stop doing that. I just that. like the idea that that's it's it's Chang and Char all over again. Like I like the idea that Basil is too like shy to tell uh, Le Chief that he's been calling him the wrong name this whole yes. time. Been calling him Baffle. Baffle. Well, that's why maybe he's the one behind it. That's why he, he was working with Bond or trying to take yeah, him down. He's the, the, the My name is Basil. Yes, yeah, so get it right. 
true plot of this film that Basil is trying to get revenge on the chief for calling him Bathel all this time. <laughs> for and that's who's on the phone. <laughs> um, yeah, three, I guess this is the... It's not quite a big climax battle, is it? But it is um, it is the climax of the film. Um, yeah, it. the torture is probably the best they're going to get. But then you have to imagine, like, luckily it's not a 2006 where they have to go to the ATM because how's Bond's going to walk there with no toes? Like, did they think <laughs> this through? Like, luckily all he do, has to do is write a check. Um but I feel like this whole thing of Bond just winning in this casino and then Le Chief trying to... The person who was playing against him then trying to cash the check, is no one going to get suspicious of that? That they were literally just playing together? And I like that his explanation, oh, they won't, they won't care because I'll just tell them that you're being a good sport and giving me the money. What? I, that's, that's how all corruption I, works. <laughs> yeah, I just... I can't wrap my head around that, that being a good sport involves giving millions of dollars to the person who lost. Is that what being a good sport is? Yes. Um, uh, like, yeah, I don't understand that. But um, I'm just, I've got it on in the background now while we're doing this. And I love that when Bond's being tortured, Valerie turns her head to look away and one of the henchmen grabs her and turns her, but rather than turning her to look at Jimmy, he turns her back the other way. So, like, is this looking after Valerie? I, uh, Don't look, Valerie. No, Valerie, you can't watch this. This is too much uh, for a is girl. This a, was this a subplot that got too condensed of the love story between Zoltan and Valerie that <laughs> it just couldn't really fit into the script very well? Um, um, and, yeah, mine had the, the abrupt ending, so I had to also... If you're watching it on YouTube, you've also got to then watch the proper ending because yeah. it just cuts into the credits. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I wonder why they didn't keep the original ending of, well, obviously not Mr. Wyatt, but of Smirsh or Quantum or whoever you want coming in and killing, uh, or the Russians in this case, coming to kill the sheep because they do mention that he's trying to win back the money and that that's that- why he so desperately needs the check. Well, I mean, let's go back to the person on the phone. Is that why the person on the phone was there? And maybe there's some other missing scene from the end that still hasn't been recovered? Because that would almost <laughs> make more sense. You have somebody who's playing both sides here because they want the money. We could make one. We could just well, make that's a the other thing. scene. We found the scene. He's the ending. <laughs> <laughs> An upload. Starring Noah Groves as... Mr. White. Zoltan. <laughs> uh, I'll play, I'll play uh, the sheep. I look like a yes, toad. <laughs> You'd be a good Le Chief. Thank you. Uh, no, we'll play Zoltan, Le Chief, and Basil, and then we'll get someone else to come in as Jimmy. Or okay. you can we'll play get Valerie. Jimmy from Survivor Oz to play Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy play Jimmy. Ben Mike plays Rassi Valerie. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the idea that we should make our own version where we clear up all plot holes in this film by adding black and white scenes that are filmed in Ben's house that we've just made. <laughs> just to clear up the plot holes and make a more complete uh, Christina Royale. Um, yeah, maybe that is. Maybe there is some more missing from this film. Like that's that's our explanation for the plot holes. Is maybe there is some scenes that haven't been recovered out there. Probably not, but we'll just say that to excuse the plot holes. Um, 
but yeah, I do wonder why they didn't stick with that ending. I'm not sure if the Americans had to have Jimmy as the ultimate hero or something like that at the end, killing him. Um, but I do like that there is some payoff to the razors at the very end rather than them just bringing it up randomly. So that's in the extended ending that's not on the original one um, where he almost kills Valerie, which, again, I'm not sure of the game plan here. If he kills Valerie, that's probably less of a chance of Bong going to give him the check because she's already dead. Like, she's not coming back to life. So don't understand the chief's motivation there, but let's not go into that. Um, and then we have William Lundigan back again to say goodbye, which, how sweet. Um, <laughs> not the best host of all time, William Lundigan, but he gets the job done. Um, could, could have had a bit more comedy or personality or something, but... Alfred Hitchcock? Good yeah. <laughs> he could have been Alfred Hitchcock. Um, <laughs> damn you, William. The one thing he was missing from this film, uh, he wasn't Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> Of all the plot holes in this film, that's the biggest one. Where was Alfred Hitchcock? Um, yeah, Lashif, and that's the end. Lashif is probably the best part of this film because he looks like a Bond villain. He he is villainous and he lives up to the Lashif character. Um, and he is kind of that petty villain where when things don't go his way, he just goes after it. Um, and Peter Laurie is probably the most famous villain, definitely, of this film. So he's definitely a shining spot of this. Obviously, he's no Mads Mikkelsen or however you say it, but he is better than some of the villains we've had in Bond history. So he would hold up slightly in a, in a proper James Bond film. Um, what ones would he be better than? He's better than... Green. Yeah. <laughs> Person that comes Green. <laughs> Which deadly, he also looks like a toad. Someone needs to re-edit him into a inspector when they never show Green. They can just put Peter Laurie in there instead. Um, yeah, that's probably actually the only one. Oh, he's better than Whitaker. He's better than. That's probably about it. Um, Lago. But yeah, he's he's decent. He's the best part of this film. And if it was longer, they probably could have made him a pretty great villain. And the other thing with the henchmen, I like the and we talked about this. I think maybe Colin, you brought it up. Is nowadays the villains they get into a lot of the action. While typically early in Bond, the villains were the ones who had the henchmen to do the action for them, while they st- stood back. And I like that they have this here with Peter Lorre or Lashif. Really, he's just a fat toad who stands back and he doesn't want to get into the action until the very last minute. Um, so I like that these henchmen, they went to the effort of having taller, more buffer henchmen, even though they're pretty unmemorable. And I'm fairly certain Basil, Zoltan and Zuroff are not in the novel. Oh, I've double-checked that. I'm pretty certain they're added. Why they felt the need to have to cast three of them when they could have just had one is beyond me. But... Um, they needed an unknown actor into this film, I guess. Um, but, yeah, they're not very good. You have to imagine that maybe, like, they didn't die at the end and Bond just shot them in the eyes and they go on to become the three blind mice or something because <laughs> I can't think of any other time that we've had three henchmen like this. So you have to imagine that the, the names of the three blind mice are probably Zoltan, Zoroff and Basil. Um 
But yeah, they're they're not very memorable. I can't remember what they look like now after watching it. But the uh, sheaf is good. The henchmen are a blur and. Goodbye to William Lundigan. Can, can I just quickly add something here? Um, I'm just reading about Peter Laurie. Um, there's apparently he was a huge. Everyone used to like satirize his face, like cartoons and comedians, um, when he was around, just because of his large eyes and um, his accent. The, this is hilarious. Here. I don't know if you're reading this on his Wikipedia page. In 1963, actor Eugene Weingand, who was unrelated to Laurie, attempted to trade on his slight resemblance to the actor by changing his name to Peter L O R I E. But his petition was rejected by the courts. After Laurie's death, however, he referred to himself as Laurie's son, and they made this into like some radio play called Peter Laurie vs Peter Laurie, and then. This sounds like a Bond film. And then, Let's get him on the show. Obviously, Peter Laurie, the real one, was in a, a movie series to do with somebody called Mr. Moto. So just looking here at the... They made, I think, nine of these films in two years in the 30s. You've got Think Fast, Mr. Moto. Thank you, Mr. Moto. Mr. Moto's Gamble. Mr. Moto Takes a Chance. Mysterious Mr. Moto. Mr. Moto's Last Warning. Mr. Moto in Danger Island. And the final film, Mr. Moto Takes a Vacation. My favorite was Mr. Moto uses razor blades for slashing things. <laughs> Mr. Moto eats a fly. <laughs> I just like the idea that we get him on the show. It's like, here's an exclusive, an interview with Peter Laurie. <laughs> and it's just that fake Laurie. Eugene Weingand. So I guess yeah. we've wrapped up the movie itself. Um, I don't know how many of our final segments this fits in with, but we know... One for sure. Uh, we have the uh, one that we've already talked about. We're probably going to be debating it when we're done, even though nothing really happens in this. Let's go to our Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I'm, I'm disappointed that wasn't like redone into like a 1950s version, like... Mr. Mr. Kiss Kiss! Mr. Kiss Swing 50s signal. Well, now that Noah's sung that, that will be this episode. No. <laughs> we do need uh, a 50s overhaul for all our intros, but I think you're missing something. Where's our. Um, what is it? Peter Travers. Peter Travers. What did he Peter think Peter. of this film? He was dead. Peter's father, Peter Senior. <laughs> yeah, there was no Peter Travers ranking for this. Um, <laughs> We know he probably would have, he would have a second or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we already know Martini's a zero. Waters isn't even Water, one. Even water is zero when it should yeah. have been one. <laughs> what happened so to that? Zero. We have Bond, James Bond's obviously zero. I don't think we get a, a Bond, Jimmy Bond. Jimmy Bond. Or a card sense, Bond, Jimmy Bond card sense. I don't we know. We should have counted how many, there were, how many card sense Jimmy Bond mentioned. <laughs> These card sense. Yeah. Like, what is that? I don't even know. Like he, Spide, he Spidey like, sense. It's, yeah, it's like a Spidey sense. My so Jimmy Bond is a superhero, and he cheated on that game. <laughs> In the middle of a game, he's like, "My card sense is tingling." <laughs> and they're like, "Have you been cuddling with Zoltan a little bit too much?" <laughs> That's when uh, Casino Royale jumped the shark. In that scene, when he used his superpowers <laughs> to win the game. <laughs> um. So let's get to the kisses. Do we even count this as one? Yeah, one. Really? 
Yeah, I mean, they're not going to show. They're not going to show sex in 1954. <laughs> it's a lie. I love it's a live broadcast, and they're not supposed to. But then uh, Barry Nelson and whatever the actor Valerie is just go for it live on yeah. on, on air. They're like, cut, they just cut, rip their cut pants it. right down, go at it in the bathtub. <laughs> Too late to cut off away. Watching. All right. Well, we yeah, it's one then. because if we count, if we're counting. Honey Rider and Bond at the very end, and we're counting Tanya and Bond Wiley. at the very end, then this is no different. Yeah. True. Plus, there is a long pause between when he knocks that guard, which I just want to say, I, I forgot to mention this, but go back, because we're going to get to the kill count in a second, but I'll just say it now. Go back and watch when he's knocking the first guard out. He punches the man in the face, and then he grabs, let's just say it's Zoltan. He grabs Zoltan's hand and has Zoltan punch himself in the face. The funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Stop hitting yourself! Stop hitting yourself! Should we include that in an Eon film? Because that's something Bond would do. Yeah. But, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. Um, we have, we're counting it as one. All right. Well, good, good debate there. Yeah, that brings <laughs> it was just we're counting it as one. <laughs> yeah. Now that but then you have to down. think it's pretty creepy that they're going at it with Le Chief's dead body on the ground. Well, here's, here's my question. When, when there was that long pause between when Zoltan punches himself in the face and eventually we hear the gunshot, how do we know they weren't doing it right there? And also, <laughs> it's a very long wait before that gun goes it's off. No, it's no less creepy than the fact if we count Bond and Wei Li and they're doing it in the middle of the South China Sea with like burning stamper body nearby on a boat. I think he climax has taken to a new meaning. <laughs> he was going at it with both Paris and Electra's dead bodies. <laughs> Two back bodies. Wait, Lynn, you're not, not dead enough for me. This is not outside of. This Barry is not Nelson outside is of the slow robot. Robot. <laughs> you, You'd have to think someone heard the gunshots and. Uh, and I guess, I guess that uh, kissing. We check on it. I guess that kissing scene yeah. probably had a, like a medium level sex scene rating in 1954. So. <laughs> <laughs> there was also another deleted remember. scene where uh, they hear the gunshots and you cut to Clarence and he's playing strip back around. And, uh, <laughs> should we should we check on them? And then Sorry you about just your have shirt. You're off a with the pants, Clarence. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure they're fine. I'll go to KFC. Let's also remember that uh, when Valerie comes back to her boyfriend, even he notices how much her lipstick is smudged. So... <laughs> We can, might be able to count three with one person so far. Doing, doing <laughs> we have a lot else of with mouth there. There. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is Lupe all over again, because she's supposed to be with the sheep. Yeah. I'm not going to play the cat no, sound. I'm no, no cat sound. This is rebooted 007 after Die Another Day. Yeah, let's get the kills. This is mature 007, 1950s yeah. 007. That thing is, this film is just less crazier than Die Another Day. <laughs> Well, what are we going to do for the kill count here? Well, I'm on two, but you're debating three, so... I yeah. had two, but I also don't really care. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The thing is, is that we have two that we could confirm, but to be perfectly honest, we can't even confirm the first, because he, he knocks the henchman out, and then we hear a gunshot. We don't know if he shot that henchman, and... So I don't know. Let's, I say we but just. Then you have to it. wonder what happened to all the other henchmen. What what did Basil do the after poker this film? game with Felix? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why weren't they there helping Lashif? Because they heard Isn't a gunshot in the worst henchman ever. I mean, it's the same reason why Jimmy didn't chase after the man who shot him earlier. What happened to like, the gun? Who are they? I, I like it. We didn't mention it, but the gun cane, when Jimmy tries to fight him off, the guy just runs off. What? Everybody gives up so easily in here. <laughs> and then uh, he leaves his gun cane, and then 
we never see it again. They're just like, oh, this is a gun. <laughs> so what happened to it? <laughs> so many plot that's holes. The, that's the sequel. The sequel yeah. to this is the gun king. I'll love to put up. Let's just go with two because we don't know what happened to the other ones, but we can only really talk what we confirm. So let's count. Well, he ran two. away and he was never seen again. Yeah, that, well, that's that's what we know of all these henchmen so far. So I guess he fled the country. I guess then what we're doing with our total count, um, we're <laughs> we're we're using this as an unofficial. So we're kind of lumping this in with Never Say Never Again and 1967 yeah. Casino Royale. So based on that, the total of the unofficial bonds. Um, so we're at to seven kills, five intimate moments, two martinis, and one Bond, James Bond. I love that we actually just spent around five minutes debating how many kisses and how many kills <laughs> that ha- occur in 1954, Climax, <laughs> Season 1, Episode 3, What Are We Doing With Our Lives? And that's what the people listening to this are also saying. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Those who have stuck with it, congratulate so you. So what do we do now? Do we do our It's the whole, whole the classic Rankings, baby. Rankings. Oh, oh okay. All shame. Of Which one did we hear? Oh, a shame. Rankings, rankings. What did we hear? Do I don't know what rank. I heard there. I think I heard both over the top of each other. Yeah, yeah. It's very confusing. Let's just clear it up. So what are we doing? Let's let's go with the Hall of Shame. <laughs> should we what, play it separately now, or should we just do? go with what we heard? Well, well what, what did we hear? I heard them both at the same time, production. didn't you? We need a yeah. 50s intro, but what can we... I'm trying to think of some... Like, can we do an Elvis or something? I don't know. That's the Hall of Shame, and it's really, really soft. Like, we need something different. I think Noah just gave us a new introduction. So. <laughs> you know, you really need to shut up when these things come up. Uh. <laughs> oh. uh, let's just... Card scene. Card scene is all a shame. 12 minute Horse card falling in the water. Death <laughs> by urine. Uh, card game. I think... Um, I think we're going to have to put up Bond getting randomly shot at at the start of the film. Yeah. With and no payoff to it. The, the girly fight. <laughs> yes. Everything Either that be- or Bond's various phone calls that he gets. Henchman, henchman cuddles all the way to girly slaps. <laughs> or Bond's missing henchman water. Henchman cuddles and girly slaps? Yes. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Okay. All right. So, so now should we do our rankings of two films? Yes, I'm. In, I'm into rankings right now. Should we play? No, I had the 1950s version of the rankings go. I think it's your turn. You got the one, one for the rankings, two for the show. <laughs> Put it all up. Go, go, go! It's rankings. We got a rank rankings, baby. Rank all night. You got a rank all night, boy. You got all the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we had never say never again. <laughs> now we're on to Casino Royale. It's a 54. You know, we can no longer blame early mornings and late night for the absurdity of this podcast because it is a decent hour for all of us. I'm playing Climax. Climax! Climax! All right, ranking. Okay. All right. 
So who goes I think first? you're first. <laughs> oh, am I? Okay, all right. <laughs> um, and I guess we summarize, do we also? I don't... Yeah. So, as I said, I mean, it definitely... There's a lot of things you could pick apart that are wrong with this. But <laughs> I would argue, if you watch any episode of Climax or any other anthology show, maybe short of The Twilight Zone, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. I think you're going to find things like this, early days of television, and I don't really see a lot of mistakes that were made here, short of who's on the phone, um, which is almost, <laughs> a, it's, it's a very cool mystery if they had explained it, or if there had been another episode they wanted to do later on. It was It was an interesting setup. So there's some good ideas here, and the story is condensed, maybe a little bit too condensed, but you get the gist of it all. Everything's here. The villain's here. The the turn of Valerie slash Vesper, even though the character has no resemblance at all, is there. Uh, the back and forth dealings between Bond and Lighter are here. And overall, I just think I think it's a decent representation of the story. And for what it is, I think it succeeds. The problem is never say never again for what it attempted. It didn't succeed at all. So, I mean, this is an easy one for me. If I'm ranking between the unofficials, this and never say never again, I easily put this one above it, which is kind of sad for never say never again. <laughs> An episode of Climax is better than Kevin Collins <laughs> never say never again. Starring Sean Connery. Um, yeah, I didn't love this but I would recommend it to anyone who's seen all of the other Bond films and or read the book or whatever. So I think you should watch it at least once. There's enough in there to get at least something out of it. Um, and I'm glad that I finally did get around to watching it. Like, this was the motivation I needed to. I probably won't be watching it for another few years now unless we do some sort of episode or comparison or something on it, but can't see myself rushing to watch it anytime soon. But it is a quick watch. It, despite some long scenes, it did go by quite fast. Um, I don't know how it would go on a rewatch compared to just seeing it for the first time, but it, it was decent. Um, I think I had more fun talking about it, but... Um, I think we managed to find more in this to talk about than I thought we would. I thought we'd be, oh, well, this will be over in 20 minutes, but we definitely had a lot to talk about and break down in this film. Um, I think we discovered more plot holes in it talking about it than I thought there was after my initial watch, but on reflection, there's a lot missing here. But it is a condensed version, and it is network television. You have to imagine that they didn't get to spend too much time writing this script and having to base it off a novel. Um, so they did a decent job. Like, the way they work around Mathis and Vesper, I think, is not clever, but it's a good way, if you're condensing the story, it's a good way of making the Bond girl in love with Bond already or a past relationship. Like, we've seen it done in Tomorrow Never Dies later, but it's a good way of saving time so you don't have to show the relationship of Vesper or Valerie and Bond. Um the card scene is a low point. It just goes on, and there's no need for explanation on Baccarat. And I don't think even people in the 50s knew what was going on here. Um, Barry Nelson, Jimmy Bond, isn't the greatest, but he does the job. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he holds up against the various Bonds in the next film uh, that we cover. But he's easily, if we rank, when we do our rankings of the Bonds, I don't think we're going to count him in it. But if we did, he would easily be the worst, but that's because he did one television episode uh, uh, from the 50s. But 
yeah, for an episode of Climax, they cover the book. It still has a James Bond feel. We didn't mention that. Like, there's no score proper or anything like that. But this still does feel Bondian in some ways. Clarence Leiter isn't great. Valerie, the character, was interesting. I think it fails. And I want to know what the hell happened with Bond's water (laughs) and who the hell was on the phone um, and why the hell William Lundigan isn't Alfred Hitchcock. But overall, it's fairly enjoyable. So I'm going to put this above Never Say Never Again, which I'm not sure I was expecting. Um, And maybe I'm talking too positive on this film because I didn't love it. Like, we've been pretty positive. I was not in love with this. It was boring in very bits of parts. But... It was enjoyable enough for a 50-minute thing, so I'm putting it first on my unofficial two films rankings, and it was decent. I don't have a whole lot more to add that's already been added. I will say that this was aired on CBS, and we're so used to talking about CBS TV shows, apparently. Um, Bring back Climax. Climax! <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I think kind of on what Noah was saying, like, it was, you know, it was enjoyable. It, was, it had a Bond feel to it, and kind of... You know, when we decided that we were going to do these, it was kind of like, oh, you know, it means we have to delay, you know, the the new Casino Royale a bit more. But, um, you know, whatever, we'll do this in the 1967 one. And, um, yeah, I, I really don't have a whole lot to add on what has already been mentioned. And I think uh, going into this, I was always going to be like, well, I'd Never Say Never Again was a piece of shit dog's breakfast. Um, surely these films will be better than it. And um, they are. Well, the one that I've seen so far is. So we're going to have a clean sweep. Absolutely, this goes at number one ahead of Never Say Never Again. Uh, so we've all got it. Now, <laughs> top two is exactly the same. I really thought we would be... Uh ripping into card centers, Jimmy Bond and all of these characters a lot more, but I think people will be surprised at how positive we were on this film. Um, but as I, as I said, I'm not jumping on the chance to rewatch it anytime soon. Um, I've just, before we wrap it up, I've just got a quick question for mainly Colin and myself, because Ben doesn't know how to read, but he's learned. Um, say this was a huge success. Um, and then for season two of Climax, they were, oh, we need to follow up Casino Royale um, and assume all of Fleming's books have been released at this point. He was very busy in 1954 writing 13 novels. Um, for season two, episode three of Climax, they're doing a follow-up to Casino Royale with Barry Nelson back, uh, potentially Clarence Leiter too. Which Fleming novel do you think works best in this format and would you have liked to have seen get a sequel to Casino Royale this time in 1955, Um, I think the problem with a lot of them is they change locations a lot. I think the easiest choice would be Moonraker. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's mostly in one location. You have just your standard characters in it, and it's also a lot like Casino Royale. It's a really yeah, good. You've got story. a card scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can go to Blades and not have sword fighting. But yeah, I think Moonraker is an easy fit, and it is interesting you bring that up because it's not like it was directly tied to the success of this. But as the Bond books took off, you know, CBS eventually went back to Fleming because they had the deal on this in the first place and said, "We want you to develop a James Bond TV show." And instead of saying, "Well, let's take the movies," Fleming took a lot of his. You know, these little ideas he had for short stories, they cancelled the show and he eventually turned that into some of his short stories in Living Daylights and uh, Free Your Eyes Only and everything. So I guess there is a way where a TV series does work of Bond, whether you're using the novels or doing it on its own. And 
I think that, you know, despite some of the problems with this, it's very interesting to think about whether that had happened instead of the movies. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think this could have made a good kind of pilot for a TV series eventually. Yeah, I do think, um, even though this doesn't fully live up to it, I do think it captures the tone of the Bond book slightly mm-hmm. and that they would be more of this toned down, like not superhero type thing, except for his card sense, but like it's not big action star kind of thing. So I think it, it doesn't completely capture it, but it does feel a bit more like what the books would if they had better casting, better sets, not live and all that, and better production. But, yeah, I was thinking Moonraker 2 because that uh, that's the only one I can think of that doesn't have huge over-the-top action bits in it. It's mainly set in England. You could easily cast a Drax and a Gala. Um, maybe you could you just get Peter Laurie back as uh, Drax. Yeah, like maybe you only live twice if you yeah. had proper way to set up the characters. I'd hate to see how that turns out, though, with yeah. the Japanese characters. Like, <laughs> 1955 climax. Um, I think the first half of Live and Let Die going around the clubs could work, mm-hmm. but then, and you've got Clarence there, but then I think the second half, it, when they go to San Monique or wherever they go in the book at Jamaica, um, it turns a bit grandiose for a small live production, but I think the first half of that they could have done. Um, I'm just trying to think. I think they're a lot the of the short ones. stories work well. Like the living, yeah, Day, they like, could have easily well. done a short story one here and not had to cut stuff out. Mm-hmm. Living like uh, you only live twice as well as the other one. I'm not sure how they did the Garden of Death properly. Um, yeah, you also need the setup of the characters too. But yeah, that's a, that's why it is a good. Like if this were to ever be done, I think it's much better done as its own TV series and not let's just do one. Bond episode a year. I think you could make a decent condensed version of Honor Majesty's Secret Service taking out some of the over-the-top stuff, like easily the Peace Gloria stuff could work yeah. in a production this um, and make it more of a romance type thing. But I can't think of the other ones. I think that's pretty much all Doctor No they couldn't have done. From Rush with Love, love mm, they could have made it work, but... Not so much. Um, Goldfinger, not really. Thunderball, not really. Um, Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, actually, I think that would kind of work. Diamonds Are Forever in some ways. But I mean, anyway. many locations. Yeah, Ben's fallen asleep as we talk about this. We'll, we'll do a well, what's new? novels episode. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's always asleep. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this in the novel. But I do yeah. think it would have been interesting to see a follow-up because I could have made it work with some of the novels. Not that the novels were out at this point. Anyway. And we still are due for a proper Moonraker adaptation. Yes, even if it is a crappy 50s one, I would like to see a proper one. Do they go to space? Anyway. No. No. Good, I'll watch that one. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yep, wicked. All right. Well, Ben has nothing to add on that because he doesn't Uh, I I was just looking at the covers on the internet and they look pretty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You're still working on the cover of James Bond Encyclopedia, so we'll get you back. Yeah, no, it's still too hard. Jimmy. (laughs) But I guess that's it for this, and we're going to be... We didn't really do proper introductions because we weren't sure what we're covering next, but let's just very quickly before we go talk about our next episode, which will be 1967's Casino Royale. So we're getting 
all the Casino Royales out of the way before a proper adaptation was done. And I'll start off by saying, I have seen this before. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV, and it confused me to no end. <laughs> there are definitely some amusing moments in it, but it is very bizarre from what I've seen. And it's interesting just to see how many Bond actors they put in there. Without seeing the full movie straight through, all I can really say is it's it was really the only way I guess to make this in the height of Bond mania is to do something completely different. And, you know, I don't know when we get to box office if Ben can dig that out or anything, but I think it's an interesting idea for a movie, and I'm going to be very interested to actually watch it straight through and see whether I can pull a coherent plot out of it or if we can even figure out how we're going to do a full recap of this. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because I have seen it a fair few times, but not in about 15 years, so I don't remember much about it. But it was on television once, and I quickly chucked in a VHS, missed like the first 20 minutes, and it was the only Bond I owned for a long time, so I just watched it every now and then. Again, can't remember much about it, but I'd definitely seen this multiple times. Um, didn't really understand what it was. Not sure how much of a connection it has to Casino Royale, the book, or the other films, but I think both these ones are important historical ones to cover because this was released around the same time as You Only Live Twice, so it's kind of like a Never Say Never Again thing. And, of course, this was the first ever Bond film, the one we just covered, so they're still important to cover, and we'll see how it holds up with You Only Live Twice and the box office comparisons there. Um can't say I'm looking forward to watching a film that's over two hours long like this. And from remember, it's more just like a Mel Brooks knockoff film or something like that. But I'm still looking forward to it for the fact that of the history of it. But yeah, it should be an interesting one to cover. We found a lot in this 50-minute climax, season one, episode three television coverage. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. But. Yeah, bring on Daniel Craig, Cassidorail. But let's, let's maybe good. Though. I've never seen it. I've flicked through a little bit of it um, after acquiring it in the last couple of days, and um, it looks crazy. Um, I, I've, I sort of watched like the final five minutes and just kind of what's happening to going into music and just it's strange. So, yeah, I, I remember kind of when I was younger and I was getting all of the James Bond films. And, you know, I used to, as I think I've told before, I used to rent them from Video City and get the DVDs and record them to VHS. Um, I remember actually getting 1967 Casino Royale and DVD and doing that, but never watching it. Similar to Never Say Never Again, I had that and never watched it. Uh, just to have it part of the collection, really. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It kind of surprised me that, as Noah said, it goes for, like, two hours. I thought it only went for, like, a short amount of time. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to be very intrigued, the fact that we've done a TV episode of Casino Royale to a film comedy slash musical, almost, of Casino Royale through to the serious Daniel Craig Casino Royale. So it's a, it's a good way of covering a lot to do with Casino Royale. And again, for all those who haven't seen it, just like with this, make sure to watch the movie before you listen to this episode, because you're going to be confused enough watching the movie, so uh, might as well get that away. And if you get a chance, watch the episode and then listen to our episode, because um, uh, I think... Good I think point we're, we're to be probably... telling them that, Colin. Oh, that's yeah, what well, I should have done before listening to We started this me. episode by saying... We did start this one by saying, well, if you haven't seen this, maybe pause this and go watch it now. <laughs> 
we could probably take for granted that everybody's seen it, but I mean, I haven't even seen this all. Ben, you said you've never really seen it. I've seen bits and pieces, so uh, you can be Casino Royale 67 Virgins along with me and Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's wrap this one up. Um, Casino Royale 54 is done. We will eventually get to the Daniel Craig, but this has been, I have to say, an interesting recap just because I didn't expect us to talk this long. We talked twice as long as the episode is itself, but uh, still interesting regardless. And go out there and listen to our other episodes too. We've already finished the Pierce Brosnan era, and if you haven't had a chance, listen to our 90s recap. And I don't know how many people listen to the, the decade recaps, but it is interesting. We're not just talking over the episodes again. It's still good. And thank you for all of our listeners. And at the time of recording this, I think we've had 19 new comments today. Uh, on all of our different posts. They're all from one person. Uh, Catherine, thank you. <laughs> You're a very loyal <laughs> oh, listener. We Hi. can't wait for you to catch up beyond Moonraker. So 20 more years and you'll be with us. You've got a lot to look forward to with this Stop one, listening Catherine. to the other shows that we produce and listen to this one. Yes, forget about our other podcast. This is the only one that matters, which is one of the reasons why one of our other podcasts, Noah and I are constantly delaying recording. Because so. <laughs> Catherine's not listening to Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on all of the forums. Forums, 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Play back around with us. Yeah, and uh, I have been Colin, and I look forward next week to recapping Climax Episode 4. Sorry, wrong number. Uh, my name is Cardsense Noel Groves, and I think I'm going to find Netflix or ebay the box set because i need to watch binge watch the entire collection of climax and all four seasons it's been a fun episode and i'm an ugly little man and i'm your friend and to follow up for that ugly little man why don't you stop talking and we will i didn't know i had that much of a reputation hello this is bond yes mr bond this is a friend who And of mine too, Mr. Bond. Aren't you the fellow who was shot? No, I'm the fellow who was missed. The shipper is the toad-like creature. It carries three razor blades for slashing purposes. I think he's ready for the bathtub. Good evening, gentlemen. Scotch. Here's the water. That Sultan is the thin, dark fellow. Name of Zurak. The big fellow with the blonde hair, that's Basil. How'd you make out last night at uh, Baccarat? I lost my shirt. Sorry you lost your shirt. Maybe you're a bad teacher. You're an ugly little man. Why don't you stop talking? Oh, oh Valerie, shut up! Basil. Hey, Basil. A <laughs> <The> Basil. <laughs> hey. Bad. Our stars next Thursday will be Ben Waterworth, Colin Hilding, Noah Groves. It's a special attraction, Mario Lanza. Incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, delegates from all over the world are now meeting in Chicago with the 42nd National Safety Congress. We salute the Congress and its accident prevention work. And I'd like to ask each one of you to help, too, by being careful. And now until next Thursday... Double R7. This is William Lundigan saying good night.